okay, we're on a series. It's all about faith, right? Faith, which is such a very important part of our lives. So, so before we continue, let's uh, bow our heads, close our eyes, and let's ask God's blessing on the word today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Your word tells us that faith comes by, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing the message. The message is heard through the word of God. Lord, help this message that we hear today. Release faith within us, greater faith, more faith, so that we can believe in the impossible things and opportunities that you want to bring into our lives today. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Whoop, just lost my screen. There we go. So, you know, we talk about our, our walk with God. Our walk with God is a faith walk. It's a faith walk. Not by feelings, not even by facts, but by faith. So let's define faith. What is faith? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. What we hope for. Hope is the foundation of faith. You cannot have faith without hope, right? But hope and faith and hope is what opens the doors of possibilities. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, the writer of Hebrews even goes as far to say this, that without faith and without faith, it is what? Impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And there's another portion of that scripture. And he does what? He rewards those who earnestly seek him. Talk about rewards. Working for rewards is not wrong. In fact, it's actually required for faith, right? Jesus is returning to the earth, and the Bible says he's bringing his reward with him. Revelation 22, verse 12. Behold, I, Jesus, am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give each one according to the merit of his deeds, according each one. Now, when you say each one, does that include you? Me includes you. Each one, according to the merit of his deeds, earthly de- deeds or earthly works, faithful, done in faithfulness. So as Christians, we're not to be, we're not motivated by the rewards, but rather by love, compassion, and generosity. Those should be the motivators of our good works. But if I participate or if we participate in the works of the kingdom, then we should anticipate the rewards of the kingdom. Do you agree with that? Truth is, see, there's an old saying, you can't outgive God. You've heard that, right? Well, here's the truth. You can't give to God without God returning back to you. If you sow, what happens? You will reap. In fact, the, the writer of that verse said, whatsoever... A man soweth that shall he reap, right? So, in other words, if you sow love, if you sow love, what are you going to get back? You're going to get love back. If you sow money, what are you going to get back? Some of you are hesitant to say that. Yeah, harvest. If you sow kindness and generosity, you usually get that back, don't you? If you... Need a friend? Well, then be a friend. 
If you will be a friend, then you will get back a friend. In other words, faith requires, faith requires and always involves some form of action. James chapter 2, 17. So then faith that doesn't involve action is phony. But someone might object and say, one person has faith, another has works. Go ahead then and prove to me that you have faith without works and I will show you my, show you faith by my works as proof that I believe. The title of my message today is Show Me Your Faith. Show me your faith. So many people have faith, but it's inactive. It's dormant. It's not at work. And, and because of that, we who have been given power to have dominion over all circumstances, we've been given power to become more than conquerors over every area of a, of a life. We can end up living like everybody else and not as sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's time, I say, that we, the church, showed the world our faith. Romans chapter 116. The Apostle Paul said this, I, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. What is righteousness? A very simple definition of righteousness is this, to be right with God. In the gospel, the way to be right with God is revealed. How? It's by a right, it's a righteousness that is by what? By faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The righteous will live by prayer. The righteous will live by the gifts of the Spirit. The righteous will live by love. No! The righteous will live by faith. Question, what kind of living does God promise us today? Well, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, the devil, his design, his operation is to do nothing but to rob, to kill, and destroy your life, steal from you. But Jesus said, but I have come to give you what? Life and that abundantly, abundantly. <clears throat> what does abundant mean? Define abundant. An abundant life on your screen <clears throat> is a life that is superior in quality. Superior, uh, the life of a believer, a born-again believer, should be superior in quality. Not only that, innumerable in quantity. John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said in the message version, I have come so they can have what kind of life? Real life. Real. And eternal life. Both. Real life now, eternal life in heaven. More, say with me, more and better. A more and better life. Say it with me. A more and a better life than I've ever dreamed of. Yeah, that's what, the, that's, what the, that's what the Bible says. When it says the righteous will live by faith, it does not mean exist. It doesn't take faith to exist, does it? 
You know, when I was a teenager, growing up, I grew up on a farm. My dad was a vegetable farmer. And every summer, I want to tell you, I hated summer. Because it meant that we were going to be working in the fields all day long, almost from sun up to near almost sundown, hoeing beets, carrots, cabbages, you know, first hoeing, second hoeing, third hoeing, sometimes even the fourth. It took the whole summer. And then there's that times when I just stopped hoeing and, and just, you know, stopped toiling and I would just lean on my hoe and I would look westward and I would look at the mountains and I would dream about life, dream about life, dream about the places I would be going to when I grew up, when I got, got out of the farm, dream about, uh, you know, the person that I might be married to or dream about becoming a successful businessman. I had all those dreams. And I want to tell you, almost all those dreams have come to pass because I had an encounter with Jesus Christ that made it more than possible. Amen? But I want to tell you, I have more dreams. There are things in my life, dreams that are still unfulfilled dreams in my life. Can I say this, can, can I say this to you? We can have all kinds of dreams, all kinds of dreams, but the only way that you're going to have a life that's more, that's better than you dreamed of, is through faith. It's got to be by th- and through faith. What does the Bible say? The righteous will live by faith. And, and, and we need to take note here too. And, and what, you know, we talk about faith. Faith is not something that you either have or you don't have. That either God gives you or that you don't have. The Bible tells us on your screen that every single one of us have been given a measure of faith. You have faith. The only reason why you're here today is because you have faith. Right? You have faith. Now, some of us may have small faith or weak faith. Some of us might have greater faith or stronger faith. But each of us has a measure of faith. But, but it's up to us to make our faith grow. It's up to us. See, you are not struck. If you, you think you've got small faith or weak faith, faith you don't have to be stuck there. We do not have to be stuck in our personal level of faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So today, we're going to actually, we're going to look at faith as a process that Jesus actually describes. In fact, we can't even talk about faith until we talk about what Jesus, what came out of his mouth concerning faith, right? Here's the first thing. Point number one, faith is a process. It's a journey that releases the miraculous into your life like nothing else can. So if your life is empty, if your Christian walk is sucking, <laughs> you know, if, 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 you're, if your business or your health is struggling, then you need to work your faith. Amen. I want to add this too, though. Your faith cannot function properly if you aren't seeking first the kingdom of God, the king and his kingdom, his righteousness. And if you're not doing it, you're probably walking around with, uh, with right now with, with some disappointments. Also, with two, You might also be struggling. These are two things that a lot of Christians struggle with. 
guilt and condemnation. You know what? You know where guilt and comes and guilt and condemnation comes from? It comes from the enemy, right? But it also comes when you know when 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 you know you should be serving God, you know you should be seeking God, and so you feel guilty, right? Sometimes what compromises people's faith is guilt and condemnation because they believe they're not worthy of miracles. They don't believe that they're worthy of God's blessing because you have a problem or you have an issue in your life. And Satan will attack your mind to convince you that you are not worthy to use your faith, right? Because you're not righteous. You're not right with God, right? And because you have issues and problems in your life. I want to tell you, I don't think there's a person on earth living today that doesn't have an issue or problem in his life, right? We're all in the same boat. I want to remind you in what First John chapter 4 and 5 verse and 4 and 5 says. It says, for everyone born of God overcomes the world, overcomes issues, right? Has the power to overcome. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. It doesn't say prayer overcomes the world. It doesn't say love overcomes. It says faith overcomes. Every storm. So listen, every storm that, you're, that you've walked through, every, every heartache that you've faced, every, everything that's defied you, everything that has conquered you, everything that you struggle, you know, all your life, the only way to be victorious over all these things is through faith. And listen, I want to tell you today, you can grow your faith, that it is a process. Mark chapter 11, Jesus gives us this, his, his process of faith, and he gives it to the disciples. In Mark chapter 11, verses 22 and 23, are two powerful scriptures that Jesus spoke. That are, that are, they're, they're just packed with, with instruction on how we can get greater faith into our life. So here's what Jesus said. Verse 22. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. There are four key things that Jesus said here about faith that we can unpack. Four key things. So let's go, we'll go through those quickly. Number one, first thing that Jesus said, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Not, not just once in a while, but constantly have faith in God. How do you do that? Maybe in constant, right? Constantly. Here's how. By constantly staying connected to God. Staying connected. How do you stay connected to God? By devotions. By reading the Bible. By prayer. By talking to God. By going to church. Fellowshipping. Worshipping with God. You know, just by doing these things will help you to stay connected to God. I say, if you break fellowship with the Lord, then it's hard to have faith. So stay connected. If you break fellowship with God's house, God's church, it's hard to have faith. So stay connected. First thing Jesus said is have faith in God. Have faith in God. Second thing he said is this. Speak. Speak God's word, God's will over the circumstances in your life. 
Today, I believe there's a famine of declaration in our lives, in the church today. When you think about it, you read the Bible. All throughout the Bible were, power, were declarations that people spoke out in faith that were powerful. In fact, if anything happened, it was almost every time it happened after a declaration to God. Amen? Almost every single time. You think about it. But David, remember David faced Goliath? Was David just silent? Did he just keep his mouth shut? No, he spoke up. All kinds of trash talk coming at him. Trash talk coming at us all constantly. The world's talk. So what did David do? He, he addressed that trash talk with powerful words of faith, right? What was his words of faith? He says, who are you? You uncircumcised Philistine. Who are you defy the armies of the living God? You're nothing, man. Yeah, you're big, but you're going down, man. He says, I'm going to literally, I'm going to take you down. I'm going to take your sword and cut your head off with your sword. I'm going to feed your body to the birds of the air, the beasts of the field. You're done, man. Took him out. Took him out. Think about Moses. Moses got all these people. And the Egyptians are on them. And they got this Red Sea in front of them. And they're terrified. When Moses said, turned to the people, he says, do not be, don't be afraid. Because these Egyptians that you see here today, you're not going to see them anymore. He went to the Red Sea, struck it, commanded the waters to part, and they went through. Think about a guy like Caleb. He was the first, in his, uh, he was in that first generation of people walk, going through the desert, heading towards the promised land. That first generation never made it, but except him and Joshua. After another 40 years, 48 years, he's standing on the edge of the promised land. And you know what he said? Yeah, I'm 85 years old today. But he says, yeah, but I'm as vigorous and able as the day that we first started up 40 years ago. He says, that's my hill country. That's what I want. Give it to me. I'm taking it now. And he took it. And he got it. You know, and, and we can just go on. Anytime. In fact, anytime. Anything never happened. It was after a declaration or a shout that made the walls fall down. Amen. Proverbs 18.21 says, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Jesus said, You have to speak to the mountains in your life. Verse 23, I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. See, here's the, we, our problem is we have a tendency to complain and to talk about the mountains, right? And that's how you make a molehill become a mountain. But Jesus said, don't talk about it. Don't just, don't complain about it. It just enlarges the problem in your mind and makes it seem more impossible. He said, speak to that mountain. Speak to it. And Jesus spoke these words right after Peter said in, in Mark's gospel, in that same chapter, verse 20. Where it says, in the morning as they went along, they saw a fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. It had withered from the root up. Then Jesus went into this teaching on how to release faith. Everything that Jesus spoke released power. Think about it. He spoke to that, that tree and it withered. Right? He, he spoke to... Um, who's his friend that died for four days? Lazarus. Right? Remember Lazarus? Dead for four days and that stinking dead, right? Totally, his body's starting to decompose, right? Well, he speaks. He says, Lazarus, come out. As soon as he said that, 
something started happening in Lazarus' body, right? All that dried up, coagulated blood started to loosen up, right? It began to flow through his body. His heart started thumping, ka-thump, 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 and life flowed through that body, and, and, and he came literally hopping out with the grave clothes on. Amen? Just think about it. Every time Jesus spoke, he spoke to the winds and the waves, and man, they were just, and they just said, wow. I mean, our God is the power to even quieten the winds and the waves. He spoke to the man in the synagogue with a withered hand, and that hand just grew up. Every time Jesus spoke, even the disciples, the followers of Jesus, James and John, went to the temple to pray, saw that guy lying on, them, on his mat, been paralyzed since, what, 40 years of birth or something? There's two accounts that were kind of similar. What did they do? Did they counsel him? Did they pray with him? Did they find out what his family history and his background, what happened to him? No, all they did was, what did they do? He says, they said, basically, get up, man. Get up, take your mat, roll it up, and go home. And the guy went home. Jesus used that term mountain. He, there's a reason why he said mountain, speak to the mountain. Could have said, speak to your problems, speak to your issue, speak to your illness, speak to your, you know, Whatever is, but he used that term. Why did he use that term mountain? Because mountains represent massive, huge things that, are, that seem impossible, immovable, a raging storm, an impossibility. Jesus said that our faith can literally overcome the mountains in our life, right? And Jesus says, speak to it. And if it's still there yet, keep on speaking to it. Number three, Jesus said, do not doubt in your heart. Do not doubt in your heart. Verse 23, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for, for them. He says, does not doubt in your, in your heart. But can you doubt in your head? Yes, you can doubt in your head. In fact, every time you uh, faced with a situation that requires faith, your head will be screaming out to you. No, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. You, you, know, you know, stupid, why did you do that? You tithe. No, you can't pay your bills. Your head tells you that. But in your, the heart, in your heart of hearts, in the deepest part of you, you know it's possible because you believe in the principle of tithing, in the principles of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Fear comes by listening to others to the devil, and even to the thoughts in your own mind. On your, on your screen, the only way to get faith into your heart and the doubt out of your heart is to feed it the Word of God. Feed it the Word of God. That's why we tell you, get into the Word every single day. Because getting into your Word changes you. It'll transform you. It'll renew your mind. It'll, you know, and get to church List like you did this Sunday, and listen to the message being preached. Go to a small group. Small groups are relationships centered around the Word of God. You read it, you study it, and then you hold each other accountable to do it. Listen to what Jesus said in Mark's Gospel, chapter 4. He's talking about the parable of the growing seed. Mark 4, 26. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he gets, sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, 
than the full kernel in the head. What's Jesus talking about? What's the seed? The seed is the word of God, the powerful word of God. What is the soil? The soil is your heart. Your heart has the power to grow God's word as you feed it more. And the more you feed it, the stronger it gets to the point that it will literally, your heart will push out things like fear, depression, suicide, low self-esteem. That's the power of God's word. And it will build a confidence and a hope in you, in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And it has the power to literally elevate your self-esteem so you can begin to feel good about yourself. Amen? Amen. I will tell you, get into the word every single day. Get into it. And, and, and before you get in, you know, before you go to bed, get into the, you know, feed yourself on God's word instead of feeding it on the negative news and mostly fake news of CNN, constantly negative mainstream news. Amen? Amen. Amen. Faith does not work if doubt is in your heart. And, that, and I tell you, the world and the devil is constantly putting doubt and fear into your heart. God's word literally has the power to kick out doubt and fear and all those things. Amen? It's powerful. So the faith process, just a quick review. Number one, on your screen, constantly stay connected to God through your devotions, through, through prayer, through the church. Start saying what God says concerning yourself. Number three, guard your heart against doubt. Kill the doubt with the word of God. We all experience slumps. You know, sometimes I get up here and think, well, those pretty spiritual guys out there preaching, you must be, you know, pretty, doing pretty good. But sometimes I, I, I hit major slumps in my life spiritually. Well, I am down. I get depressed, you know. I just want to be real. And sometimes I just want to give up. And I need to find encouragement. I need to go somewhere. You know, we all experience these spiritual slumps in our life, don't we? We do it in business. We, we do it in every, almost any area of life. But, you know, it's, Slumps are something that, that professional sports teams get into, don't they? And, and, and individual athletes. You know, and I read this book. You know, let me give you this quote first. Zig Ziglar, just a, a great man of God. Just a, Zig Ziglar says, Our lives will be changed in the next five years by the people that we meet and the books that we read. I want to tell you about a book. I, I'm going to go a little bit longer in this message. That's okay, right? Okay, so I, I, now I heard about this book, and then I heard a testimony about this book from my pastor. His name is Chris Valentin, and, and he was talking about this book, and I had seen a copy of an advert for this book. And so Chris, Pastor Chris shares about this book that he received from a friend. He says, I don't know why my friend gave it to me, but he gave it to me, and he says, and I started to read it because it was very thin. It was a thin book. I think we've got a picture over here. And, and that book... Uh, it's called, it's entitled Greatness. And the, the title of that book is just, is the, the letters are just tiny, Greatness. And, and so, I, you know, after I heard about this book, I went, I went to try to find it on Amazon, couldn't find it. 
I tried it, and I found it online. I was going to order, but but the only problem was it was a hundred dollars U.S. I thought, oh, that's a lot. That's U.S. That's about a hundred and forty dollars Canadian. So I thought, oh, I better wait. And you know, so but um, so but since you love your pastor, <laughs> it's only a hit. <laughs> so. Pastor Chris shares that he starts reading this book and realizes it's a secular book. I wondered why his friend bought that book in the first place. The author, his name is David Cook. David Cook is a sports psychologist who helps professional teams and individuals to uh, better the game and to win games you know, and, and championships. And there's a, this is an, an NBA team. I'm not high on basketball, except when we went to Mexico last week, my my nephews were always watching the NBA, and I was watching LeBron, uh, LeBron James make his massive dunks, and you know, all the Lakers, and uh, what was it, the, the Warriors, and you know, all Stephen Curry. I know about some of those guys, but but this goes back a little bit further. Uh, and so um, he's talking about uh, this in his book. He talks about this NBA team, the San Antonio Spurs, and and uh, they had a superstar. Player, his name was David Robinson. This is the time when Michael Jordan was playing, and this guy was in strong competition with Michael Jordan. And so, this guy, David Robinson, he goes through a bad slump, and he's known for his ability. Whenever there's a foul, he stands behind that line and he makes those free, like flawlessly, he makes those free throws, free throws, and he, and he adds up a lot of points. Well, he goes into a massive slump. He can't make those. He can't even make a three free flow anymore. He's so much doubt. In, and he's lost his confidence. And so um, they hire this guy, David Cook, and, uh, to, to help their superstar. And, and so uh, he teaches their superstar player basically three things. I'm going on a bit, but listen, okay? Okay, number one, uh, imagine making a free, free, free throw. What it looks like to mechanically or dynamic to make that throw, like perfect free throw. Second point, imagine yourself making that perfect free throw consistently, time after time after time. Third thing, believe that you can do it. Believe that you can do it. David Robinson became MVP of the league that year. The Spurs won the NBA championship. Wow. Okay, the story goes on. A few years later, uh, another guy, Tim Duncan, replaces this David Robson as a star. He goes into a slump. So what did they call David Cook back, right? And he does the same thing with Duncan. And he even makes him write out a two-page detailed description of what it physically looks like to actually him in the game winning that game. Well, that year, this Tim Duncan wins the MVP, MVP award and the Spurs once again win the championship. Pastor Chris shares that as he reads this book, he gets to the last chapter. And the last chapter, I think there's another picture there. The next picture. Here's a, a picture. It's taped shut. It's taped shut. And, and just before, and, and here's what it says. I'll just read that to you. It says, don't open this chapter unless you're prepared to be offended. And Chris said, well, now, who's going to not open that chapter, right? <laughs> so he cuts the tape. And then begins to read the words of this last chapter, and the, the author begins the last chapter with these words. 
I am a born-again Christian. Everything I've learned in this book, I've learned from Jesus Christ. In the next three pages, he shares how Jesus saved him. And he talks about, he shares about these three principles throughout the book that he talks about, how each of them are rooted in Scripture and how Scripture has literally transformed his life. And on the last page of the book, he gives the invitation to receive Jesus Christ so that you can truly be successful. Wow. The only way to get faith into your heart and to doubt out, doubt out is to feed it the word of God. Last point. Number four. Jesus said, believe what you say. Believe what you say. Mark eleven twenty three, And does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen will be done for them. The problem is, in our society, we have a society that doesn't really believe in what we say, right? And, and you know, uh, that's why I think North American Christians have more problems with faith than other cultures. And most other cultures, what you say is gold. It's bond. You know, you don't say things that you don't mean. Like, oh, I'll pray for you. Have you said that to someone? Oh, oh they, they pour out your heart and say, oh, yeah, okay, I'll pray for you. You're busy. Or, oh, I'll meet you at 9 o'clock. What happened to them, right? Or, yeah, I'm serving at church tomorrow. You don't show up, right? Bob says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. See, Jesus is saying, learn to keep your word even to your own hurt, right? And you can develop this fourth step. When you believe what you say, then you will really begin to believe in what God says in his word. There's a connection there. I want to just finish with this second last verse here. It's all about the promises of God. The Bible is full of promises of God. I say, uh, when you believe, what you believe, even without Bible faith, determines your future. But add the promises and the power of God to your renewed, renewed mind and spirit. And wow, see what, what can happen. You know, the Bible is literally full of the promises of God. Our lives are designed to live within the context of these promises. So that's why you've got to read the Word. Because if you don't know what the promises are, are you, you're not going to be able to live the, God is, the way that God has called you to live. All the promises of God are written in Jesus' blood. It's signed by the one who gave his life to you, right? So listen to this powerful portion of Scripture. It's in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, which says this. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Okay? Verse 4. Through these, through what? Through his divine power and through our knowledge of him, He has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, and my footnote says this, that is by complaining these tremendous promises as your very own, faith always releases the power of the word of God so that through the power of these tremendous promises, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. <clears throat> how do you participate in the nature 
in the divine nature? How do you live a life that's pleasing to God? How do you escape the corruption in the world? By putting your faith in the promises of God. By living in the promises of God. Every promise in the Bible, Jesus died for, he paid for. Every promise in the Bible is yes and amen. Every promise is done. Every promise is yours. Amen? 2 Corinthians one twenty. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and so through him the amen is spoken by who? By us to the glory of God. The promises of God need to be spoken out, constantly declared for them to come to pass. Andrew Womack, just a great author, said the promises of God are voice activated. They're voice activated. That's why we constantly declare the promises of God over your life, over your children. Declare them. Constantly declare the faith declarations of the word of God and see what God will do, a miracle. I said, we in the 21st century, I think we need to be retaught to have to believe. Jesus came to this earth to give someone that we could believe in, we could have faith in. That's why in Hebrews 12, verse 1, says, let us run with endurance. The race mark uh, said that God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who does what? Who initiates and who perfects our faith. Get a hold of Jesus. Get a hold of his words. Amen? And let's believe. Let's start believing again. And let's get around people who provoke you to faith, to love and good deeds. Amen? I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying this. Saints of God, it's time to get up. Roll up your mat of doubt and lethargy and, and show me your faith. Amen? Amen. Bow your heads. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I just want to pray for everyone here. You know, so many, so many of us have, have faith, but it's dormant. So, Father, Lord, help us. Help us to take these four steps that we just heard about and work them every day into our life to activate, to elevate our faith. Father, we pray for those situations that seem impossible. Pray for that marriage. Maybe that's almost given up hope, given up counseling, wanted to quit. Pray for encouragement, faith to them to believe for the impossible. I pray for that business that's struggling. I pray that you give them wisdom to know how to literally resurrect that business and turn it around. I pray for that person maybe struggling in the body with some illness. Besides using doctors, I pray, let them add faith. Let them have faith to what they're doing, to their medications and their vitamins. Restore their health, Father, in Jesus' name. Father, I, I pray that you will raise up a generation of people who know you and who know faith. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Just with every head bowed, just want to pray. You know, God has prepared an, an incredible life for every person who believes in him. And maybe you're here today and you've never really put your faith in Jesus Christ. You've never personally invited him into your heart. And maybe it's because you think you're so messed up that God will not accept you. But listen, God accepts everyone. He has the ability to turn messed up lives around. And 
restore your life. Or maybe you're here today, you're not sure that Jesus is really your Lord. Or maybe you're not sure that heaven is your guaranteed destination. Today, you can know for sure by saying this simple, powerful prayer for a new start, a new life. I want to tell you, Jesus accepts you and there's not a person on this earth whose sins he cannot forgive. So if that's you and you want to see Jesus, you want to receive Christ into your heart, or you want a new start in your life, repeat these words after me. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I believe that what you did on the cross, you did for me. Thank you for the forgiveness of all my sins. Today, Lord, I invite you into my heart to be Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Now, if you said that prayer for the very first time, when you said it online, you can touch the hand near the bottom of the screen. If you're here today and you said that prayer, I want you to raise your hand. If you raise your hand, just after you raise your hand, could you please go back to that desk back to called the Connections Desk. And we want to tell you what your next step of faith and your incredible life with Jesus will be. Amen?